0: Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. When you feel like expressing your feelings, don't be a dad. When your teenager complains it's too hot, say, so is your mom. That's how you got here. (laughs) Eat an entire bag of chips, then fall asleep to the golf channel. Be a dad. True. Wear cargo shorts to a wedding. Be a dad. (laughs) You grill hamburgers? Make sure the inside is bleeding and the outside is burnt. Be a dad. Go use the restroom, and don't come out for a good 40 minutes. Be a dad. (laughs) <laughs> Some are more funny than others, Daniel, you know. Uh, get to the airport four hours, <laughs> four hours before your flight. Be a dad. Shake the hand of your daughter's date like you're literally trying to squeeze the tears out of his eye sockets. Be a dad. I've done that. Appreciate it. Oh, we, we were filming the whole time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, happy Father's Day. Relationships. Legos. I'll be doing this all day. Relationships are the great source of joy and the great source of sorrow. And God, our Father in heaven, longs for us to have full and fulfilling relationships. And yet they're filled with conflict. With what? Come on, with what? conflict, that's just, that's just the reality. And so we're in this two-part conversation, last week and this week, around conflict. We left off last week with James chapter 3. Now let's transition to James chapter 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions, that is your desires and your wants, your wants, your wants, your what? Wants. Your what? I'm all in. You're slow. Let's do it again. I can't even hear you. You're what? Oh, yeah. We're all filled with wants. We have all sorts of desires and all sorts of wants. And our wants drive us. We're at war within you. Your wants are at war within you. You desire and you do not have. So you murder. You covet. You cannot obtain. So you fight and you quarrel. Man, James is just a matter of fact. He takes no time at all to just get to it. Why are there fights and quarrels among you? And of course, we know the answer. Why are there fights and quarrels among you? If it's not obvious, let me give it to you. Because everyone but me is a selfish, irrational narcissist. How many of you know that? That you are surrounded by selfish, irrational narcissists. Not you. But everyone else is. And so it it tends to break down. Well, no, here's the reality. Here's what James is telling us. The conflict is within you. Where is it? Tell your neighbor, where is it? It's within you. That's where the conflict is coming from. Yes, it's around you, but there's something within you. You have competing wants within. You want this, and you want this, and it competes, and it's deep in you. And you're in conflict. Kind of like our fun little dad's moment. You want to be a dad, but you don't really want to change diapers. (laughs) You want to put your spouse first, but you really want to go to the Braves game. You have competing wants. Let me take it further. Doug, come on up here. Uh, In fact, the winner at whatever campus, whoever won, step up on stage with your campus pastor. You're going to get your 200 bucks, but I'm going to do it unique with Doug. Come on up here. Everybody celebrate Doug. Come on, man. Job well done. Now, here's the deal. We said you'd get 200 bucks, and you have four options. You got Home Depot, a Bass Pro, the PGA Superstore, and Best Buy. Each one 200. You can't have all four. But you, but you, what? Can you ask your wife? <laughs> Be a man. Step up to dad today. Now, hang on, hang on. Before you do, before you do, every, I just want to know what everybody else would do. Okay, so let's just take a moment. How many of you go ahead and cheer for one? How many of you would do Home Depot? How many of you would do Bass Pro? How many of you do PGA? How many do Best Buy? How many wives would say none? Give me the mall, whatever. Okay. You, you can't have all four. You can only have one. You have lots of wants. Now, do you really know what you were going to get? I mean, you're going to just pick it? don't yeah, know which one. We'll take it. Thank you. Best Buy. Let's congratulate them. <laughs> Campuses, give it to your guy. Now, here's the whole point you have competing wants within, you have a world of options, a world of wants, and then they compete, and you can't have everything. And hang on, hang on. The conflict of wanting competing things fuels the conflict around you. Listen again. The conflict within you fuels the conflict around you. That's where James is taking us. So let me just mess with that and go a little bit deeper. Since it's Father's Day, let me talk to dads. Now this is for everyone. Everyone listen and the principles of the scripture are helpful to Everyone, If you're single, male, female, listen, this is going to be helpful to you. If you're married with or without kids, this is going to help you. If you're in middle school, high school, college, middle age, or if you're empty nester, this is going to help you. But I want to talk to dads in particular. James is giving us a what do you need to know and what do you need to do? What do you need to know? And what do you need to do? Let's start with what do you need to know. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. This is what he's going after. And what's the word double-minded? There's this competing thing in you. So here's what you need to know. The conflict within you fuels the conflict around you. And since I wanted to help us make sure we sort of get this deep within us, I wrote a paragraph I'm going to put on the screen. I'm going to bother to read it to you. I want you to follow along because I I don't want to just skip through today. Today today is pressing us in and inviting us into places we don't often go. So double-mindedness is like having lighter fluid in your soul. When the flame of conflict around you touches the unresolved conflict within you, it bursts into a fireball of conflict. If you resolve the double-minded conflict within you, so God could change your soul from lighter fluid to water, then when the flame of conflict around you touches you, it does not burst into a fireball. It douses into peace. A person at peace within is hard to light on fire. Let's talk. Double-mindedness It's plaguing us all. When James wrote the word double-minded, it's actually nowhere else in Scripture. This is the only place. He says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. You can't find it anywhere else in Scripture. Twice in the book of James. Double-minded people are unstable. Double-minded people should purify their hearts. It's a compound of two Greek words that mean two and soul. It means you're two-souled. You have two souls. You have two minds. You're unresolved. You have dueling loyalties. It's not only true in the wants of life, it's true in the wants with God. That you simultaneously want the will of God, but then you don't want the will of God, and that war's within you as well. You want all four gift cards, but you can't have all four, so you gotta say no to three in order to say yes to the one. You're gonna have to deal with the conflict that war's within you, and if you could solve that, by the grace of God and come to peace, it would change the way conflict blows up around you. You want to fix conflict in your marriage, in your family, with your kids, in your career, with your coworkers, and community, and the church, and the world around you? A good bit of it is solved. If you could just solve the conflict within you, We might not talk about that a lot, but let's go a little bit further. In fact, dads, I want to talk specifically to the group of dads between 30 and 45, and there's a reason for that. Well, again, while everybody else is listening in, it was in that stage from 30 to 45 that I discovered this double-mindedness, that I discovered that I had a whole bunch of wants that warred within me, that simultaneously, I didn't love God as much as I said I did. I want the will of God, but I want other stuff. And in my 30s, particularly, I'll call it 30 to 45, the collision of all of that coming together is a very complicated season of manhood, of being a dad. I don't even know that I could have talked about it in that season. I think it helps to be 60 and look back. <laughs> See, that's the season when we added all the kids, four kids in that season. And kids are awesome. And I wanted to be a dad. And I wanted to be fun dad. But they are so demanding. <laughs> it's just really hard to be fun dad all the time. And I just became less and less fun dad because all this stuff was compressing. And then marriage, you know, I wanted marriage to be awesome, but it'd be, it just became so difficult in the mundane lane of life. To have meaningful marriage while you're raising this chaos of kids. But then career in your 30s and into your 40s is when you gotta break through and you gotta make money and you gotta do well and you gotta rise up and all this pressure is on you. And you don't talk about it that way with everybody else, but it just compresses inside, and you have the competing watch and you're like, man, how do, how do I make that work in my career? I gotta risk to the next level, and it consumes me and it owns me. And I'm trying to get there, but then I'm trying to do marriage, and that isn't easy. I'm trying to be a dad and that isn't easy, and if that's not enough financial pressure collides, because you need more house, or more car, or more stuff, and then Marcia in our situation, backed off from work to be home with the kids, so we have less money, but we need more money, and it's driving me nuts, and it's all colliding inside, and the wants are bigger than what I can satisfy, and so the time pressures collide with it, and I don't have any time for myself, and I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be full of myself, but come on, no time for golf, hardly time for friends, no time to think, like, like, oh, is this really the life I wanted, and then the physical stuff. What is that in your 30s? My body stopped processing metabolism, whatever you want to call it. I just got fat in my 30s. I gained 40 pounds in my 30s. I got to 205 on this five foot eight frame. And listen, I hated it. There was angst inside me. So I joke about it, but it was driving me nuts. All of this colliding in one season. Life was tough. You don't talk about it. Life sucks. No, no. Life awesome I love this I didn't love it in fact a friend of mine said it perfectly well he said listen I love all the parts of my life I just hate the whole I love all the parts I just hate the whole I simultaneously got the life I wanted and discovered it wasn't the life I wanted it created so much angst within that I was combustible. And when the flame around you of any conflict touches a combustible person on the inside, it bursts into fireballs. No wonder there's conflict around us. There's conflict within us. Early on in marriage, uh, in our two-stall garage, uh, we could only park one car in the garage. You know how that is, right? Um, Because there's too much junk. So we would alternate. Um, So this was my turn, and I was in the garage, and I parked the car, and and, and then Marsha, on that particular day, for reasons I don't understand, um, she parked behind my car outside the garage door. I got up late, I, I barely got ready in time, I have to go to work. The garage door, there was a trashy garage door, it, it opened super slow. I was already in reverse before the door opened. I, I just hit the gas and BAM! I got to report an accident in my driveway. <laughs> well, who was involved? My wife and I. Your wife was driving? No, she wasn't in the car. Where was she? I don't know. I don't even care. What did you do? I backed into the car. How do you do that? Shut up. Just pay for it. That's why I pay for insurance. Just, you, you just, What was going on? Let me, I just, I'm visual. And in particular, I like to play with fire. So I came up with an excuse. It's Father's Day. I'm a father. Do what I want. Bruce, if you're anywhere nearby, just stand by with a... The... You never know. <laughs> I had more fun practicing this at home. It's not a big deal. All I'm saying is this. I had conflict within on that day. Let me explain. I wanted to succeed in my career, but I wanted to sleep in. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, And that those compl- collide within me. So I would usually... Get up late because I want to sleep in, which I did that day. But then I want to succeed in my career. I want to do well. I want my boss to be impressed. I want, and I need to get to work. time. so now I have this battle within me. And that battle within me is creating all sorts of, if you will, lighter fluid combustibility inside me. So that by the time I run out to the car, I'm already amped up. And then when I open the garage door, it is so slow, I'm like, for the love of God, could we have a real garage door opener? <laughs> so that by time, it's barely even open, not even enough. I just floor it. I'm like, I gotta get out of here. And then I hit her car. And you know what that does. <laughs> when the flame of conflict touches a combustible inside, You get a fireball. We had what we would call a marital conflict. (sighs) I would blame the flame. But that's not the whole problem. Because what's going on around me is not always what's broke. James is saying what's going on inside you is creating a fireball of conflict to the flames around you. And if you could deal with the conflict within you, you would be amazed that a person at peace tends to douse things rather than ignite things. When I say 30s to 45, I'm, listen, I'm not saying it was just a horrible life and I hated it. I'm not saying gloom, despair, and agony. I mean, before the service, I was talking with a couple of guys, said, Does anybody remember hee haw? Anybody old enough to remember hee haw? (laughs) And then we started singing gloom, despair. I wasn't going to sing it, but I'm going to now. An agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Oh, Gloom, despair, an agony on me. Thank you very much. I'm not saying it was all gloom, despair. Oh, by the way, um, you older people... Like they grew up in the 70s and knew that, know that stuff, 55 plus. I was trying to get us a party on purpose uh, for this month, couldn't work it out, had to push it. But the date is August 21st, is our next party, Sunday, August 21st party with a purpose, text 55 plus to 37748, 55 plus to 37748, again, the first 800 get to be part of the party, it's going to be awesome, but you got time to sign up, but you know how it works, some people are like, I want to do it right now, well, you just do it, it wasn't all gloom, despair, and agony on me, this past week, I was having lunch with a couple of my boys, uh, 34-year-old Josh, 19-year-old, soon to be 19, uh, this next week, Jaden. And Josh was telling Jaden of stuff like we were all, Dad and I, we would do our motorcycle trips, dirt biking stuff. And Dad would always, every time we went to a, to a, a subway, I got Sprite and Dad got water, but was always in the same size cup. And then Dad would always switch it. And suddenly so he would switch my Sprite with water. And just when I was ready for a great swallow of Sprite, I'd suck down water. And i was just almost gagged. Not because water's bad, but just because, ew, like, you're expecting Sprite. I don't know how he did it in the midst of conversation, which means he was never really listening to me. He was just always figuring out how to switch it. Well, Josh got his revenge as he's telling Jane, and I enjoyed listening to the story. He said, what, we were eating Pringles one day. And, and Dad, I, by the way, I hate vinegar. I hate, the, I just, I hate vinegar. So Josh likes salt and vinegar chips. Y'all who like, anybody like salt and vinegar? Why would you? Hey, hey good news. They won't be in heaven. So, so, so Josh got his Pringles. You're thinking, no wonder you were fat in your 30s. You were eating Pringles. Shut up. Let's move on. Okay, so, so, so he got his, he took some of his salt and vinegar and put it in my stack of regular Pringles. So I am chowing down, and I got to salt and vinegar, which is an immediate gag reflex. (laughs) He laughed so hard, which I quit switching his drinks. I'm like, we're done. You win. Josh's revenge. Listen, I'm not saying it's all gloom, despair, and agony on me. What I'm saying is this. Becoming a dad exposed things inside me I never knew existed. And I think you learned that in your 30s. To 45. And if I can just talk to dads in that season. Well, thank you. And that is my point. End of conversation. They're awesome and they interrupt. Oh, no. If you're online, If you're at 12 stone home, another campus, you're wondering what's going on. There is somebody's God gift of a child who is crying dead in the moment when I'm going to turn this to sincere, making entirely the point that every time a dad wants to do something, they're interrupted. And you know what this exposed in me? A selfish, irrational narcissist. That feels like that's everyone else. But you know what? That's me too. I say I'm yielded and surrendered to God, but apparently not holy. Because I got so many competing wants. So many things that are at war in me. So James says, you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. Man, that sounds like marriage and family and siblings and church and co-workers and community and a nation. And you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask God, hang on, hang on. But I pray about it. Yeah, when you ask God, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Meaning You don't have single-minded devotion to God. You're double-minded. You ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Literally, the Greek underneath it, lusts. Your worldly wants are driving your life, including your prayer life. It is combustible inside you and ignites conflict that is already a flame around you. So that you may spend what you get on your lust. You adulterous people. What does that mean? It means you're married to Christ. That's the analogy. And the very nature of a marriage is that it's a vow of single-minded devotion. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Don't you know that, listen, the war within you not only creates a war around you, but It makes you an enemy of God if you say, I want the will of God, but you really don't. Dad, God's going to offer you a gift if you've never understood it before. There's a gift for us today, and it's for everyone. How to get to peace within. And What do you do? So let's go there. Die to double-mindedness well, that doesn't sound fun. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Because you never do that once. You do that all the time. You do that all the time. You do it under pressure. You do it with all you want. Die to double-mindedness. Die to self. And God changes the fuel within you to non-combustible. What we're really saying is, oh, dear God, could you change me from the inside out? This is really the journey of discipleship. This is from salvation, being saved, to sanctification. So James tells us how, and it gets really practical. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. Become single-minded, focused. God is your primary devotion, and you want the will of God God's way. Fight that no longer from the inside out. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Grieve, mourn, and wail over What? Over your sin, your selfishness, your double-mindedness, over pretending that you really follow God when you don't grow up into manhood. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. He will what? He'll lift you up. So submit yourselves then to God. Do what he walks through and then he will lift you up. Saying that what God will do is he will take a person whose tendency is to be combustible and have all the stuff inside. And he'll come over here and he'll say, Listen, I will change. Oh, this feels hokey, but I'm gonna say it anyway. He will like change the pan of your life. That's not even in the notes. And and he puts water within. So listen, when the flame, watch, you know this, I know it's hokey. Stay with me. When the flame around you touches a soul that is at peace, it puts out the flame. You can't always blame the flame. Imagine what your marriage, family, career, finances, the church, the kingdom would look like if we all had water in our soul, peace like a river, instead of combustible lighter fluid. James isn't messing around. You see, we got to have like an honest to God conversation so that you understand the weight of the thing that we read. Double-mindedness is like having lighter fluid in your soul. When the flame of conflict around you touches the unresolved conflict within you, it bursts into a fireball of conflict. If you resolve the double-minded conflict within you, so God could change your soul from lighter fluid to water, then when the flame of conflict around you touches you, it does not burst into a fireball. It douses into peace. A person at peace within is hard to light on fire. Dads, Become a person at peace within. It is one of the great gifts you give to your kids. And you feel the intensity of it from 30 to 45. And I would say (laughs) all of life. How do you do this? So James says, let me give you some encouragement. It's really practical. Here's what you do. Submit yourself then to God. What does that mean? Just obey God. Submit to God. Every time God teaches you something in His Word, say yes. Every time the Holy Spirit prompts you something, say yes. Yes, you have conflict within you. You say you want God's way, but really you want your own way. Okay, resolve that. Submit to God. In other words, submit your will to God's will. Are you practicing God's will, God's way in your business? Are you practicing God's will, God's way? In your morals? Or have you joined culture? Are you practicing God's will, God's way, in your money? Do you know that all the pressure is not on you to provide? Don't take all that pressure. You have a Heavenly Father. Seek first the kingdom of God. Your Heavenly Father is your primary provider. You're not the primary provider for your family, God is. Release it to Him. Get at peace on the inside so that you can live with the weight of life because God will carry the weight if you will lean on him. Honor him with first fruits. Man, when we are under pressure financially, keep honoring God with the first 10%. How is that possible to afford because he's my provider, he owns everything. He gets the first 10 and he guides the next 90. Are you honoring God? In marriage, Marsha has to be ahead of me. If I want a marriage that works, I'm gonna have to die to myself. That sucks, yep. And yet when you died, a narcissistic you, God's will, God's way, God does something to transform the lighter fluid in your soul to peace, to water. It changes your life when the flame hits water instead of lighter fluid. That's what you're working on. Don't manage everything around you. Resolve things within you. Get to peace right there. Or have you settled into but now I might call a post-COVID Christianity, which seems apparently that now you're casual. Now you may come to worship, you may not. Your kids can see that you're not as devoted as you once were. You show up, you don't show up. Still call yourself fully devoted to God. Don't serve like you used to, give like you used to, not commit like you used to. Your kids can see that you're not pouring into them spiritually. You're not bringing them regularly to a place of worship every seven days so that God can transform them in the community of Christ from the inside out. Really? Man, just guys, he's saying, dads, wake up, step up, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Why? Because the devil once you come to faith in Christ, this is so good. The devil is not in you, and he's not over you, despite what spouses say when they see you occasionally and say, "Yeah, and I think the devil's in you, man." And he's really not. Once you come to faith in Jesus, he doesn't have the power. So if you will say no to him, if you like, you got the four cards, you say no, no, no. This is where I'm going. I'm following God's will, God's way. James is saying you've got to at some point in your life take your faith seriously. It's not a casual act of religion. It is a deep relationship of intimacy with your heavenly Father, and you have to submit to him, resist the devil, the devil will flee from you, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's the promise of God. He will make himself known to you deeply and intimately. And when he does that, then wash your hands. What does he mean? It means like, finally clean up your life. In other words, you are aware from 30 to 45, I knew that I had a 12-year-old emotional spiritual boy in me fighting against the become a man of God guy in me. And those two were at war. And moving from a spiritual boy to a spiritual man is no small journey. Take the journey. Become a spiritual man. In case it isn't clear, let me. I thought I'd just jot down what I think James is, Christ is calling us to. Grow up from spiritual boys to spiritual men. Maybe this is helpful. Boys are self-indulgent and used people. Men are self-sacrificing and value people. Boys are... Irresponsible, easily offended, and cry victim. Men are responsible, hard to offend and protect real victims. Boys work only when they feel like it. Men work regardless how they feel. Boys are unaccountable. Men are accountable. Boys are soft on themselves and hard on others. Men are hard on themselves and soft on others. Boys live for themselves. Men live for God and others. Boys settle into lust. Men strive to love. Boys break their word and water down the gospel. Men keep their word and carry the gospel. Boys are proud with selfish ambition and vain conceit. Men are humble with Surrendered ambition and confidence. Spiritual boys defend themselves. Spiritual men depend on God. The kingdom is built by spiritual men and torn down by spiritual boys. Be a spiritual man. That's all James is saying. In other words, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. What does that mean? It means this. It's the image of a throne room. When you come into the throne room of the king of kings, you kneel. Listen very carefully. You do not stand in the presence of the king. See, everybody knew when James was writing what a king, who he is, what he is. And when you come into the king's throne room, you bow. You get low. There's no competition. You humble yourself. This right here is a position of humility. And you just bow before him. Humble yourself before the Lord. And he will lift you up. People mistranslate this all the time. He'll make you rich. He'll elevate you. He'll make you somebody and great. That's not what it means. It means the king will step up to you in your humble position. And he will tap you on the shoulder. And he'll take your hand and he'll lift you up. And he will make you able to stand in places in life you could never stand without him because it will take his grace to stand. It'll take his grace. It'll take his grace to stand when you're failing or stand when you're succeeding. It's why it says he gives more grace. When I was turning 40, I had a tremendous opportunity. It was probably the best opportunity of my career. John Maxwell, who's a leadership guru, at the time was starting to mentor me, learned of the material that we now call Home Run. Then we called it Diamond Life, God's design for life and leadership. And God has given me this picture of how he spiritually grows us up. And John loved the material, and John had listened to me communicate several times, and he said, I would like you to do something with me. I'd like you to fly to El Paso. I'd like to have you teach this to a conference. We're going to video you, and it's going to be in my package of leadership. Now, When I walk away from that and say yes, which I did, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I'm having a breakthrough I'm going to the next level. I am going to teach alongside John Maxwell at a conference and it's going to be recorded and it's going to be like in video and sold. It's going to be amazing. Oh God, this material is teaching people how to depend on you. Oh God, teach people how to depend on you. Keep me humble and dependent on you. That's the setup. El Paso, my chance to step up and speak. The first five minutes was spectacularly hilarious. The next three minutes was insightful transition to the material. Unfortunately, five minutes in, the room was as dead as dead could be. I connected with no one. I finally figured out why people get nervous in front of other people to speak, because I've been speaking in front of people my whole life. But I was talking, and it was just dead. And I started sweating. I don't even know what it means to be nervous in front of people and sweat, but I'm sweating. I'm This isn't working. So then I try recovery, but I'm in a black hole. I'm lost in space. It was horrible. It was so bad. Eight minutes. And I say, can we stop the camera? Obviously, this isn't working. Can I start over? I'll just do it on the fly. I did. And it didn't fly. It was worse yet. It was the single worst communication of my life. It was so humiliating when they got done. Do this with me. Everybody do this. You know what that is? Pity applause. It was horrific. It was the single worst communication experience of my 40 years. John was gracious, but they didn't use my video. I never spoke alongside John in that video. Ne- my name never went out with John's teaching material. It was like, oh my. <laughs> Did you, anybody ever want to get away? Want to disappear? Want to hide? Want to run? I'm like, God, how could you possibly love me? You humiliated me. You set me up. You gave me material you're obviously not going to use for anyone. This was my great chance to soar. You didn't lift me up. You just wrecked me. I can't. And you know what's worse? What's worse is John gave me two invitations. How many two one was El Paso the next one was Catalyst and three to four months later I was supposed to speak at Catalyst and do the same talk in front of two three thousand pastors which is another major conference that John is doing and this was the big one and I just bombed at the first one you really think he's going to let me do the second one I wouldn't said John. He's like man I don't know I said I don't either (laughs) he says I think I need to can you I said I wish you would I said and then I hope you don't because I think I learned some things but we'll see I can't even explain why John said, let's give it a shot. So I'm at Catalyst now, thousands of people. I get introduced. John's not breathing. His team's not breathing. I'm not breathing. I'm thinking of El Paso. Oh, dear God, not again. And then the Holy Spirit begins to breathe. And he took over that moment. The Spirit of God rested On the hearts of pastors I prayed for hundreds of pastors who stood and just said God I need you to do this in me I walked off the stage and sat down 30 minutes later and it was just a holy hush and then the applause began it was just a thunderous standing ovation same communicator same material And I was not overwhelmed by the applause. The Spirit of God simply whispered, Take all your risks trusting me. Whether you're failing or succeeding, take all your risks trusting me. Take all your risks obeying. Man, what risks are you taking? You feel like it's risky if you say no to God? you feel like it's risky if you say yes to God, remove double-mindedness, get single-minded and take all your risks saying yes to God. And if he lets you fail or lets you win, you are still single-mindedly his. I could never accomplish that stuff on my own. I needed others. Guys, let me give you something practical. I had brothers in my thirties. I said, I'm not going to win this battle within God's will, God's way. I'm not going to win this on my own. So you get one or two friends. And this has been a habit of my life. I'll put it on the screen. Really, really simple and practical. One, two guy friends. One hour a month. Don't, don't make this more complicated. One hour a month. Maybe 10 times a year. We sit down, breakfast or lunch. You got your own way. Don't make this more complicated. One question for Arena is, am I doing God's will God's way? And we would have conversations about marriage and family. You know, marriage and my kids. How am I doing? Am I honoring God? Where am I winning? Where am I losing? Where's my El Paso? We all have El Pasos. Where's my Catalyst? We all have Catalysts. I've killed Paso moments. I've catalyst moments. How am I doing in marriage and kids? Career and money. Bible and prayer. Temptation and weakness. See, this message is obviously for more than dads. We all have wars within us. And double-mindedness is undoing us. And the Spirit of God is saying, get past the lighter, fluid spirit within you that wars. Submit to God. Draw near to God. Clean up your life. Get single-minded, devoted to him and make all your risks with obedience. Humble yourself before the Lord. He'll lift you up and let you stand. He'll let you stand when it seems like you fall and when it seems like you rise. And don't do this alone. We have the church. We have brothers and sisters in Christ. Men, dads, particularly in your 30s, coming into your 40s, get in relationship with brothers. Listen, what could God do in a marriage, in a family, in a church, in a nation. If we would just humble ourselves before the Lord, surrender double-mindedness, and single-mindedly do God's will God's way, what could God do with all that conflict? Why we could be at peace and be peacemakers. Amen?